Good morning and welcome to episode 32 of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. We're your host, Andrea and Alex. Yay. 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 <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now, there's not a whole lot to talk about from our personal lives this week. Nope. We didn't really do anything exciting. Um, Alex worked. I worked. And I finished my finals. Finals. For school. My final exams. For this semester. Oh, but I do have to brag on myself for just a second here. <laughs> right now, my GPA is a 4.0. Whoa. I know, right? I'm pretty excited about it. Um, now, I'm just going to say that if I can achieve something like this at 49 years of age, after having a mild stroke, never say you're too old to go back to school because I'm living proof right here. So, how is your world, Alex? Work going okay? Yes. So go- <laughs> you like your job and yes, everything? Yes, I like my job and everything. It's a fun job. Yeah, um, I think it's really cool that you get to be around so many animals all day. Yes. I'm kind of jealous. Because <laughs> we don't have enough pets. Yeah. And speaking of pets, today is Bridget's third birthday. She's three. Bridget is our bearded dragon. She's three years old three. today. She's this many. She's so cute. She's just so cute. But anyway, let's get into this week's episode. Now, I was having a really hard time all week. I was racking my brain trying to figure out something. So, I sent your sister a text and I was like, tell me something to talk about this week because I'm drawing a blank. She said, well, y'all haven't talked about Aleister Crowley yet. So, guess who we're talking about this week? Aleister, you like a... That guy, we sure are. Intro. Okay, when I say Aleister Crowley, do you know who I'm talking about? Kind of. Not really. Well, you'll know. <laughs> and I found there's so much about him that it's going to be like a two-part thing. Um, so, today's part uno. Part one. You, you, you I did, said uno. <laughs> Held up two fingers. <sighs> Alright, so yeah, I'm still stupid. Oh, nothing's changed from last week. Alright, so I'm most, I know most of y'all have heard, at least heard his name, Aleister Crowley. But what do you really know about him? Well, nothing. Nothing. He was a pretty interesting fella, and he really thought outside of the box. But that's putting it pretty mildly. And I do have to say that his life was almost like a real-life soap opera with lots of plot twists. Um... Now, you know, he's not a recent person. Like, he was born in 1875. That's a long time ago. But he wasn't born as Alistair Crowley. He was born as Edward Alexander, just like you, Alexander, Crowley, to a very devout Christian couple. Now, he wouldn't come to be known as Alistair until later in his life. But when he was eight years old, his parents sent him to H.T. Habershon's evangelical Oh my gosh, Evangelical. We can't speak today. Evangelical. Angelica. <laughs> Pickles. Um, Pickles. Christian boarding school. And as he was growing up, he rejected his parents' religious beliefs, and this caused he and his mom to have a very strained relationship. 
She would even call him the Beast. The Beast. Like the Devil Beast. The Beast. Yeah. And he liked that she had gave him that nickname. Um, so, in March of 1887, he was 11 years old. 11. And his father passed away from tongue cancer. Tongue that, you know, I know about any part of your body can have cancer, but I just never really thought about your tongue having no, cancer. Right. But, um, he said that that was a major turning point in his life. And even though his father was a devout Christian, and, you know, like I said, Crowley was, like, rebelling against all that, he called his dad his hero and his friend. Now, at this point, he was sent to Ebor Preparatory School. And Ebor was ran by the Reverend Henry D.R.C. Champney. We're going to just say that's his name. Okay? Yes. Champney. Okay, and when Crowley became a troublemaker at the school, Champney was quick to dish out the punishment. And soon, Crowley referred to him as a sadist. Okay. Punishment included being put in solitary confinement, being fed only bread and water, and other inhumane punishment. So it was like prison at that school. Now, um, he started having health problems as a result of the stress from these punishments, including kidney ailments. And to make things worse, there was boys at that school that would pick on him, I guess because he was just so different than everybody else, and they would punch him in the kidney area. Um, just basically because he was the outcast of the school. He wasn't your typical Christian boy, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, but it wasn't long, and he left that school and studied at Malvern College and Tunbridge School. But Crowley didn't like either of those either, and he ended up being taught by private tutors. But it was Christian teachings, and he rebelled even more by pointing out the inconsistencies in the Bible. And he also rebelled. By smoking, close your ears, always masturbating. <laughs> that was so awkward, and having sex with prostitutes. That's yeah. Oh. And as a matter of fact, having sex with prostitutes was how he contracted gonorrhea. Of course. Now, despite all of his family's efforts to raise him as a proper Christian boy, he rebelled every chance he got and in pretty much any way that he could. One thing that he did, well, or one thing that did interest him was mountain climbing. And he was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Before he enrolled at Cambridge University, he had already climbed Beachy Head and most of the Burmese Alps. Now, it was at this time when he enrolled at Cambridge yeah, that he changed his name to Alistair. It was October of 1895, and he began a three-year course studying philosophy. And during this time, he continued, like, pursuing his many interests, and those interests included chess, and as a matter of fact, he became the president of the school's chess club and mountain climbing. He returned to those Alps from 1894 to 1898, and because of his accomplishments there, he became somewhat famous to the Alpine mountaineering community that was there. And he also embraced his love of literature. And by doing this, he wrote many poems. And a lot of those appeared in student publications at Cambridge. 
In December of 1896, Alistair was on holiday in Sweden. And while he was there, he experienced his first major mystical experience. Many biographers believe that the experience was brought on by Alistair's first same-sex experience, which in turn brought him to realize that he was bisexual. Like, I'm telling y'all, there's many facets to this man. Okay, He was a very sexual person, and while at Cambridge, he engaged in sex, mostly with female prostitutes, and from one of those during that time, he contracted syphilis. So now at this point, he's on his second STD. Hmm. Homosexual activities and relationships back then were illegal during that time, but this didn't stop him from engaging in them because in October of 1897, he met a guy by the name of Herbert... Herbert! <laughs> you just threw me off. Herbert Charles Pollock, who was another very interesting person. Now, the, these two guys, they entered a relationship, but it wouldn't last very long because Herbert didn't share Alistair's interest in Western esotericism. Esoteric. You know what? I need to just shut the hell up. Esotericism. Esotericism. Okay. Esotericism. That's the word. Okay. It is said that Alistair regretted the relationship ending for quite a long time. For a while, Alistair considered a diplomatic career, but he, he got really sick around that time that he met Paula. And now, in all the things that I've read, it didn't say what he became sick with. I don't know if it was the syphilis that he had got or something else. But anyway, it made him reconsider how life can be taken away so short. And he began pursuing an interest in the occult. He started reading books like The Book of Black Magic and Packs by A.E. Wakes and The Cloud Upon the Sanctuary Sanctuary by um, Carl von Eckhart Schausen. Eckhart Schausen, yeah. And this fanned his flame of his interest even more. In July of 1898, he left Cambridge without a degree, even though his grades were very good. His grades were actually at the top of the class, and he decided to leave there without a a degree. Now, the following month, he traveled to Switzerland, where he met up with a chemist by the name of Julian L. Baker. And the two talked at great length about their interest in alchemy. Once they were back in London, Baker introduced Alistair to his brother-in-law, George Cecil Jones. And Jones was a member of the... Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Now, the Golden Dawn had only been founded just 10 years before this time. And in November of 1898, Alistair was initiated into the Golden Dawn by Samuel Mathers, the group's leader. Now, soon after that, Alistair moved into his own flat and he invited a number, the, another member of the Golden Dawn by the name of Alan Bennett to move in with him and become his personal magic tutor. Now, Bennett taught Alistair ceremonial magic and the use of ritual drugs, and they would perform rituals of the Gosha, I don't know, G-O-E-T-I-A, y'all, I am sorry I cannot pronounce nothing today. Now, and they did this together until Bennett left to study Buddhism in South Asia. The next year, 
Alistair bought a house on the shores. And I do need to mention this, too. Um, when Alistair's dad died when he's little, he left all of his money to him, basically. Um, he got a really big inheritance. And this is where he's getting his money to do all this traveling and schooling and mountain climbing that he does. But anyway, so that next year he bought a house on the shores of Loch Ness in Scotland, and he really developed a love for all things Scottish. He even wore traditional Highland clothes pretty much everywhere he traveled, including England. Now, during all of this time, he did continue to write and to publish poetry. And as a matter of fact, one of his most critically acclaimed pieces, which was Jephthah, was written during this period. Jephthah? Jephthah. Jephthah. <laughs> oh. Alistair continued to progress through the levels or grades of the Golden Dawn and was soon ready to enter the Second Order. But because of, he was bisexual and he had this racy lifestyle, I guess you could say, he had developed a bad reputation. And soon that he had several arguments with important members of that group. And they actually refused to initiate him into the Second Order, so Alistair went to see Mr. Mathers in Paris, and Mathers admitted him into the Adeptus Minor Grade. Now, because of this, there was like a rift that developed between Mathers and the London members of the Golden Dome because they were unhappy with for one thing, with what he he they hid what blah 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 blah. He had went behind their backs and initiated Alistair into this. And another thing, he was very domineering, and so he just caused a big problems. You know, well, Mathers decided that they needed to seize a temple space that the London group was using. Um, it was in West Kensington. So under Mathers Mathers direction. Alistair and this mistress who he had, um, her name was Elaine Simpson, and she had also been initiated into the order. They attempted to seize it. Now, it ended up having to go to court, and the judge sided with the London people because they had already been paying the rent on it. And in the end, Mathers and Alistair was separated from the group. They basically just kicked them out because of all of that. And that brings us to the year 1900. Now, in 1900, he's Crowley, Alistair, whatever you want to call him, settled in Mexico City after traveling to Mexico through the United States. Well, while he was there in Mexico City, he started a relationship with a local woman, and he developed a, lo- a love for that area. And while he was there, he was still practicing that ceremonial magic that he had learned. And while he was there, he was initiated into Freemasonry and wrote a play and a series of poems. He even climbed mountains while he was there, but in one of his adventures to the top of Colima, he had to cut it short because it was a volcano, and that volcano was about to erupt. So I guess it was a good thing that he decided, hey, I ain't going no further. We got to get off this this mountain. So I almost said get off this mountain. When he left Mexico, he traveled to San Francisco, and then he sailed to Hawaii. Well, while he was on that ship sailing to Hawaii, he had a brief affair with a woman by the name of Mary Alice Rogers, and she was married. Apparently, he was very smitten with Mary Alice because he wrote a series of poems called Alice and Adultery. 
And I just wonder if her husband ever figured out what she did while she was on that ship. <laughs> and especially if he had any clue that that book of poems was anything to do with his wife. Exactly. Now, from here he traveled to Japan and Hong Kong where he met up with Alan Bennett. The two spent some time together before Alistair decided to tour India and while he was there he devoted himself to the Hindu tradition of practicing Raja Raja Yoga. He spent a lot of time studying and still writing poetry. He also contracted malaria while he was there and had to recuperate from the disease in Calcutta and Rangoon. He stayed sick a lot, and I just wonder if maybe he had like a suppressed immune system. Um, because it's, it just seemed like he, he got sick an awful lot. Now, some of his mountain climbing buddies, they soon joined him in India, and they set out to climb K2, which at that time had never been done. While on their journey to the top, Alistair suffered from the flu, malaria, and snow blindness. And several of the others in the group got sick during the trek. And once they reached 20,000 feet, they decided to turn back. I guess they were all just too sick to keep going. Yeah. Now, in November of 1902, Alistair found himself in Paris, where he hung out with his future brother-in-law. The guy's name was Gerald Kelly, and he was a painter. And through Kelly, Alistair became well-known in the art scene in Paris. He wrote men of... A lot more poetry while he was there. And this poetry was published as Rodin and Rhyme because they were written based on the work of a sculptor named Auguste Rodin. In October, I mean, not in October, gosh. In August, I've got fall on the brain, y'all. <laughs> in August of 1903, Alistair married Gerald Kelly's sister. Her name was Rose Edith Kelly. And he did this, it was kind of like a marriage of convenience, because he did this so that she wouldn't have to marry a guy that she was in this arranged marriage situation with. Well, that marriage pissed off her whole family, and it ruined his friendship with her brother, Gerald, that, you know, those two had been friends. Well, the couple honeymooned in Paris, and Cairo, and um, Ceylon. Well, Alistair really fell in love with her, and to prove his love, he wrote her a series of love poems. When they arrived in Cairo, it was February, and they claimed to be a prince and princess and rented an apartment. In one room of the apartment, Alistair set up a temple and started invoking Egyptian deities. During this time, Alistair said that Rose would become, like, incoherent and would tell him, they are waiting for you. Finally, in March, Rose was able to explain that the day that she was referring to was the god Horus. And on March the 20th, she claimed that the equinox of the gods has came. Then she led him to this nearby museum and showed him exhibit 666. The name of that exhibit was the Steel of Ink. Okay, we're just going to call it the steel, okay? Because, like I said, I am not too good at pronouncing any of these. Because, you know, my southern backward accent just destroys the beauty of all of it. And <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry about that. Now, Alistair thought this was very important because of the Christian belief about the number 666 being the number of the beast. 
And if you remember, his mom called him the beast when he was young. So all he thinks it's all coming together. Yes. And it could have been, you know. That following April the 8th, Alistair said that he heard a disembodied voice. And that voice was, it told him that he was Alwas. And Alwas is the messenger of Horus. Alistair wrote down every single thing that the voice told him over the next three days. And this is what would become known as the Book of the Law. The book said that mankind was entering a new age and that Alistair would be the prophet of this new age. A supreme moral law was to be introduced, and that would be the, um, the quote, do what thou will, shall be the whole of the law, end quote. Also, people would learn to live in tune with their own will. Now, this book and its philosophy within it would become the backbone of Crowley's religion. And this new religion was called the Lima. Now, I just want to say something before we go further. And it's very random. Okay. I, I have these random thoughts when I'm doing this, like, research and, and writing episodes. And, but if you've ever watched the TV show Mama's Family, you know that Mama's name is Thelma, which is similar in spelling to Thelema. And Thelma's maiden name was Crowley. Maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe I can come up with a whole new conspiracy theory. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to look into it, though. All right, we're back to the topic. I know, my brain. This is how my mind works, y'all. Okay, I go from Aleister Crowley to Mama's family. But anyway, at first, Aleister didn't know what to do with the Book of Life. Or the Book of Law. Gosh, I am so stupid today. The Book of the Law. And he even hated it. He disregarded the instructions that the book contained and asked him to perform. And one of the acts that it asked him to perform was to steal the exhibit 666 from the museum. It also wanted him to build a fort-type structure on an island and translate the book of the law into all the languages of the world. But at that time, he ignored that and he sent copies of the manuscript to several occultists that he knew. Then he put it away and ignored it. Not long after that, the newlyweds returned home, and soon Alistair started thinking that Mathers was using magic against him, and so then their friendship started deteriorating. In July of 1905, Rose gave birth to the couple's first child, and it was a daughter named Lilith. While Rose was recuperating from the childbirth, Alistair wrote snowdrops from a curate's garden, which is what we now call porn. I mean, whatever floats your boat, y'all, but porn while you're recovering from popping a baby out is just a bit odd. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it was also during that time that Alistair formed his own publishing company and named it the Society for the Propagation of Religious Truth. And it, he named it that to be a parody of a publishing company called Society of, or Society for Promoting Christian Knowledge. Over the next few years, Alistair and a group of mountaineers attempted to climb a mountain um, called Kanchenjunga. It was known as the world's most dangerous mountain, and it was located in the Himalayas in Nepal. 
Shortly after the group began their trek, they just started having these arguments amongst each other, and they kept saying that Alistair was very reckless, and at one point, a mutiny basically broke out. Now, the climbers abandoned Alistair and started heading back down the mountain, and he warned them not to do it because it was nighttime and it would be dangerous. Yeah. Well, they didn't heed his warnings, and several of them were killed in an accident. And you know who got the blame for it? Who? Alistair. Mm-hmm. He blamed, you know, they blamed him for the accident killing these people, yet he had warned them. But I don't believe he got in any trouble and from that. Now, after that, he traveled to India, where he took part in some big game hunting. And soon, his wife and daughter met up with him in Calcutta. But apparently, two men tried to mug him. And he shot him, but it didn't kill him, so they had to, like, leave India because of that. Now, Rose and Lilith returned to Europe while Alistair went on to Shanghai to visit his friend Elaine Simpson. Now, you know, she was the mistress that he had back when he tried to overtake that temple um, in London or wherever they were at. Um, It it was in England. Um, Now, she was fascinated by the Book of the Law. And the two performed rituals in an attempt to invoke um, Alwas. <coughs> now, when Alistair finally arrived back in Britain, he was informed that his little girl Lilith had died from typhoid. While she, um, and he blamed Rose for Lilith getting sick because Rose had apparently developed a really bad drinking problem. And I guess he thought she just wasn't really taking care of it, um, the baby. But anyway, his health started going downhill. And it was from all the emotional distress of losing his daughter. And soon, he had several operations. During this time, he had several affairs. One was a, was with an actress, and one was with an Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> But in February of 1907, Rose gave birth to the couple's second daughter, Lola Zaza. And it's interesting to note that the actress that he had had the affair with went by the nickname Lola. Now, ain't that some crap? He named his kid after somebody he'd had an affair with. (laughs) Now. That's weird. No, wait. (laughs) I know. Who would actually do that? Well, let me just say that I had an affair and I'd like to name our daughter after that person. Well, my dears, this is where we're going to cut it off for today. Right now. Right here. Right now. We've absorbed like a bunch of knowledge today. Yes. (laughs) And I think our brains need to just rest. Just a little bit. Are you okay over there, Alex? I don't know. (laughs) I feel dead. I think I need to stretch and a nap. Yes. Indeed. A nap would be good right now. It really would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, y'all, come back next Monday, and we're going to finish up talking about Aleister Crowley to see what happens next. And like I said, it's almost like a real-life soap opera. But also, y'all, don't forget that on Wednesday, there's going to be a new episode of the Midweek Mini, and on Saturday, there'll be a new episode of the Weekend Weird Files. Y'all have a good week. Come back and listen to us again soon. And we'll see you then.